Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Thank you for tuning into our podcast, Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matthew and Stephanie Garrity. We are founders of River of Heaven Ministries, which is one of many conduits that God is working through for such a time as this to bring freedom, healing, deliverance, revival, awakening, and new life in Christ Jesus to the nations. In Gems for the Journey podcast, we are going to explore the amazing depths of the Word of God in order to mine out those gems, those nuggets of wisdom that there are within the text and the context of Scripture as well. Scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of the Father and brings them to us. He teaches them to us. The Word of God also says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. There is the Logos and the Rhema Word of God. The Word of God stands for eternity. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to divide the thoughts and intents and motives of the hearts of mankind. There is so much to explore. So you'll want to tune in every week because you will be changed from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And you're going to learn to walk in victory and move from victory to victory as you listen to and receive from the river of God that's being poured out through these vessels from the throne room of grace. So make sure you subscribe to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God on Apple Podcast, cpnshows.com for the Charisma audience, or wherever you're listening from. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious unto you. May He lift up His countenance upon you. And may He give you His peace. Amen. I know you're excited to tune in. And we're excited to bring you these gems from the Word of God. And now for today's podcast. Well, welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matthew and Stephanie Garrity. We're very excited. Today's really a monumental day as it's our first podcast with Charisma and on Apple Podcast. And so we want to welcome all our listeners today. And so what is a gem for the journey? Simply stated, if we look at the Word of God as this boundless, vast place of exploration, you know, within that place, there are... Uh, gems, there are nuggets of wisdom. And I believe that the Bible tells us different ways that we need to study to show ourselves approved. It's the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search that out. And we know that in the new covenant, if you've been born again, you are a king and a priest. And so God is saying that it's our responsibility to search out, to study, to show ourselves approved, to mine these gems, if you will, from the vastness of the Word of God, of His Word, of what He's given us. And so many people find it difficult to read the Bible. Many people 
over the years have said, well, I go to church or I, you know, participate in this or or that, but I don't really word the, read the word of God that much. And, you know, that, that shouldn't be so. The Bible is not boring. Uh, it's very powerful. It's very creative. If you've actually read through all the, the stories in the Bible, they're very animated. I mean, it's almost like you're reading through a Middle Eastern soap opera, if you will, because there's so many different characters, there's so many different moving parts. And again, God gives us his word ultimately not to tell us a story, but because it's a living word and he's got principles and he breathed life into these words. They are his words. And so we need to live by them. That should be our desire to live by them. And so the first gem that we're going to look at, the first gem that we're going to mine out of this vastness of this place of exploration of the Bible is the gem of the river of God. Now, there are other synonyms for this word. It's been called the river of life. It's been called the river. It could be called the river from the throne, the river of heaven. But for our intents and purposes, we're going to call it the river of God. And so the first thing I want us to think about is when we think about the river of God, everywhere the river of God is, there's life. And everywhere the river of God goes or flows, there's life. In other words, if you've got a dry situation, you've got a situation full of dryness or death, if the river of God is in that place, all of a sudden, those dry things become refreshed and the dead things come to life. Amen. And we see this specifically in Ezekiel chapter 47, which we'll cover in our next podcast. Matter of fact, there's actually three main portions of scripture where this understanding of the river of God is. And that is Genesis chapter 2, Ezekiel chapter 47, and Revelation chapter 22. And for today's podcast, we're going to deal with Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And it says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. So it's very interesting, isn't it, that you know God created the heavens and the earth, and we know that the creation story, he created all the the heavenly host, he created the, the plants, the animals, the birds, the fish, everything. Okay, and then he creates man, and, and then God takes the man, puts man in the garden. The garden's name is the Garden of Eden, and the word Eden means pleasure. And so God puts the man that he created in his pleasure, in the expression of his pleasure. It's paradise. And what's interesting is the first thing it mentions that flows out of that garden is a river. A river. And not just any river, but a river that specifically breaks out into four different river heads or headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. 
Dalium, and the onyx stone are there. The name of this second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedekiel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. So four headwaters or four river heads. That's interesting. We look and we have this garden of God, the pleasure of God, the expression of the pleasure of God, paradise, if you will, and rivers flowing out of it. And not just rivers, but they are four river heads. They come to four river heads. And each river head has a name. And it's interesting when you look in Hebrew, what these names mean, these begin to paint a picture of characteristics of the river of God and characteristics of when the river of God is flowing somewhere, what that means. The first river is Pishon and Pishon means increase. This comes from the Hebrew root word push which means to be grown fat, abundance. And so that's the name of the first river head. The second river head is the name of is Gihon. And Gihon means uh, bursting forth or gushing. It means breakthrough. It comes from the Hebrew root word Giach, which means generally the picture is a woman in labor when the water breaks. There's a breaking through the water. There's a breaking forth. There's a springing forth of life, okay, that issues out of the womb. The third river is, the name of it is the word Hedekiah. And this means rapid or rapidity. And we'll get to a little bit more about that later. And then the fourth river is the word Euphrates, or the Hebrew word parath, and this means fruitfulness. It can also mean sweet. So these four headwaters, wherever this river flowed, wherever this river goes, wherever the river of God goes, there really becomes four things that always are manifest, or four characteristics that you should always see wherever you see the river of God, or wherever the river of God is flowing. And we talked about Pishon means increase or abundance. Gihon means breakthrough or bursting forth. Hedekiah uh, means rapid. And Euphrates or is the word parath, which means fruitfulness or sweet. So wherever the river of God is present, there is increase. There is abundance. There is breakthrough. There is issuing forth of new life. There is rapidity, which speaks of an arrow darting in flight. It's a word picture, which can mean purpose or which can mean something uh, that's been shot to strike a target and is fruitfulness as well, sweetness. When we look at this, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19, Paul, the apostle Paul prayed that all believers will be filled with the fullness of God. And John spoke of Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 16, in the Amplified Version, saying, out of his fullness or abundance, we have all received and had a share supplied one grace heaped upon another and spiritual blessing heaped upon spiritual blessing, even favor upon favor, gift upon gift. 
So we see that this first characteristic of the river of God is abundance, it's increase, there is a fullness to it. If we think about that in our own life, if somebody came to you and said, well, you know, I would like to pay for your gas today, or I'd like to, you know, to fill your tank up, and they only put a couple drops in, that's not abundance, that's not increase, that's not fullness. But then you had somebody else who came to you and said, well, no, I I really mean this. I'm going to fill your tank. And they fill it to the point where it's at the brim. That's fullness. That's abundance. That's increase. And so that's what the first characteristic of the river of God speaks of. There are many who say, well, God's river is flowing and the river of the spirit is moving. But yet, if the river of the Spirit is moving, there should be increase, there should be abundance, there should be fullness. And are we really seeing that if we're honest with ourselves today? That next characteristic is found in the second headwater, which Gihon. And Gihon, again, meant bursting forth or gushing. It speaks of water uh, breaking forth in a woman's womb, and that is the sign that new life is going to come forth. Look what it says in John 4, 14. The message version says, anyone who drinks of the water I will give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within gushing fountains of endless life. Now that is an amazing picture of the river of God. Gushing fountain of endless life. Other scriptures in the Bible, in John chapter 7, the Bible says that in us will be the river of living water, and out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Again, this understanding of gushing, of bursting forth. Isaiah 43, 19, that the new thing springs up. Did you not notice it? Did you not perceive it? It's coming forth. There's something new. There's something fresh coming forth. This is another characteristic of the river of God, where God's river is, where God's spirit is moving, where the Lord Jesus, as the living water, uh, is moving in the midst of his people. There is bursting forth. There is gushing. There is breakthrough. There is issuing forth of new life. And then the third characteristic is found in that third headwater, Hedekiah. Hedekiah means rapid or rapidity. But as I touched on earlier, it really is a word picture of an arrow in flight. It means swift and darting. It can speak of something having purpose. Have you ever watched people compete in archery? The whole point of archery is for the archer to pull back, to create tension in that bow and the string on the bow, to pull back that arrow, to aim that arrow and to strike the target in the bullseye right in the middle. Now, what if that archer decided not to aim and just shot anywhere? He could puncture someone's tire, injure someone, or even worse. Many people want to move with purpose and many people say, oh, well, you know, there's a suddenly happening in my life or there's, man, God is moving and all these things are going on. But the question is, is there a targeted effect? Is there purpose? If you're saying God's moving and the river of God is flowing in your life, there should be purpose. There should be something rapid, but something rapid and suddenly that happens aimed 
with purpose. It shouldn't just be all over the place. Yes, God is a God who loves spontaneity, but there is always order. There is always purpose. And as we move and the river of God moves through us as a vessel, we begin to be that arrow that God can fashion and and shoot and hit the target that needs to be hit. We are, our lives are directed by his purpose. And yes, there's a rapidness. There's a suddenly, there's a strong anointing. There's a, a bursting forth as we just talked about. There's an increase, but it has to be within purpose. You know, with a, when a river flows, there's always a purpose. God has a purpose. Some rivers flow and they flow into another body of water. Other rivers flow and they help to erode uh, rocks and things in order to create channels, in order to help the environment or help ecosystems. God has a means and he's got a purpose for every part of his creation that he's created. A great example of this in scripture is James chapter 5, verse 16, where we're told that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person, avails much. Effective. Effective means having purpose. It doesn't mean something all over the place. It doesn't mean when we pray, there needs to be a target for our prayers. Even our faith. You know, the Bible talks about our faith being like a servant. And many people over the years have said, you need to give your servant something to do. In other words, you need to give your faith a target. So if you're believing by faith for that mountain to be removed, then you speak by faith, as Jesus said, and say to that mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. In other words, this obstacle, this situation, this problem in my life, you're giving your faith a target. When you're praying, if you're believing God uh, for a situation, say you lost your job and say you're praying uh, that another opportunity, another job would open up, you're giving your faith a target. You're also praying. Again, there needs to be a target for your faith and for your prayers. And then the fourth characteristic is found in the fourth headwater. Again, the word Euphrates is the Hebrew word parath, which means fruitful or sweet. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.14 that God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. That's the New Living Translation. You know, when we're worshiping and praying, it's like sweet incense that comes up before the Lord. It's a pleasing aroma. And even where it speaks of that we uh, we are living sacrifices, that worshiping the Lord is our reasonable service. In other words, in the Old Testament, there were animal sacrifices. And then Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God who was the sacrifice once and for all. But because we live that crucified life and because we were saved for good works, then as we lay down upon the altar, so to speak, his fire consumes us and we give a pleasing aroma. And we'll have a much more extensive teaching and worship and prayer in another podcast, another different gem for the journey. So now I want to talk just for a, a few moments about what's going on in our nation and really even in the nations. Many people are still hurting over this COVID uh, pandemic situation. Many people feel like it's still going on. Many people think that, you know, we're never going to get out of this season. But, you know, we're encouraged by 2 Chronicles 7, 14, which says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, 
forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So the first part of what I talked about was 2 Chronicles 7.14. After that, it talks about the eyes of the Lord and the ears of the Lord, attentive to seeing and attentive to prayer made from that place. Well, what place is that? The place that God says where those are humble, where there are people who are seeking his face or praying, who are turning from wicked ways. God says, in that place, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, of course, this was the temple that Solomon built in the Old Testament, but God says, I believe as a principle, that his eyes and ears are attentive to that place. To what place? The place where there's humility. The place where there's humble people praying. The place where there's humble people worshiping and praising the Lord. The place where there's people repenting and turning from wickedness. And the Lord says, in that place, my name will be there forever. My eyes and heart will be there perpetually. And so I simply asked the Lord recently, I said, Lord, why are we not seeing the, the land healed? There's all these great, you know, revival services going on across our nation, the United States of America. Uh, that's where we're from. Maybe there's similar things going on in your nation, wherever you're listening from. But we have great worship leaders and, and uh, prayer people, you know, organizing and mobilizing movements. I prayed, I asked God, why are we not seeing these things? We're humbling ourselves. Many say, you know, we're, we're humbling ourselves. We're praying. What are we not doing? What's the problem, Lord? What's the strategy? Help us, Lord. Help us understand. Help us to see clearly. Help us to implement that which you want to implement. And I had a dream that night. And in the dream, I, was, I came into a revival tent meeting. And in this tent meeting, there was a well-known international preacher uh, and uh, in this meeting, he called me out from the crowd and he said, you come here. And as he laid his hands on me to minister to me, I had a vision within that dream. And in the vision, I was standing in a field. There was wheat all around me. And in that wheat field, on top of the wheat, there were praying mantises. Uh, but the mantises were not healthy looking. They were not the normal green color that you would normally uh, understand them to be. They were dark they were tan, they were brown. It, it almost looked like they were just exoskeletons, like they weren't even really there. And the Lord began to speak to me almost immediately as I woke up that next morning. The praying has become dry. Praying mantis, the praying has become dry. Mantis also speaks of the prophetic, uh, you know, that nature. The prophetic has become dry. The worship and prayer has become dry. The, there's a form of godliness, but it's denying the power thereof. In other words, there's a form of religiosity. There's religious acts going on, but the Lord says they're dry. The prayer's dry. The worship's dry. Why? Because they have not been deluged. They have not been engulfed. They have not swam and submerged themselves in the river of God. And there's a big difference because when you're in the river of God, drenched. You're completely overtaken. You're, you're completely saturated with God. You're saturated with his presence. You're saturated. You're embraced. If you view the Lord or his spirit uh, allegorically as an ocean or as a river, there are people 
who go to the beach every year that dip their toe in the ocean, but the vast ocean is there in front of them. Or they'll go to a, to a place where there's a nice freshwater spring and they'll dip a cup in that spring and drink some fresh water if there's a, if there's a flow where it's not been stagnant and they'll be content with that. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to the church, and all those who will hear what God is saying, that it's time to, instead of dipping the cup of water in there, it's time instead of putting the foot in the ocean or putting the foot in the river to submerge, to come deeper, to you submerge, not just to drink of the river of God, not just to drink of the ocean of the water of life, or Revelation says the, the, the water of life free of charge, but to dive in, to submerge oneself. Like the word baptism in the New Testament, it's the word baptizo, which means literally as, as like a clothing was being dyed, where the clothing would be submerged into the dye, and the clothing would take on the nature of the environment, and it would be transformed. It would be completely saturated, completely immersed, so that that clothing would no longer be that regular color, but it would take on whatever color was in that that uh, vat that it was dipped into. It would take on the dye. It would take on the nature. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to the church that the land will be healed. And yes, I hear the prayer and I see the humility, but it's dry. It's time to once again submerge yourself in my river. It's time to once again uh, revitalize yourself and come deeper than you've ever been before. The Word of God says that when we repent and return to the Lord, that times of refreshing would come. And I thank God that His rain is coming, that His ocean is before us, that the river of life is ever flowing all around us. But we have to be the ones that say, yes, Lord. We have to be the ones that say, yes, uh, I want it to be uncomfortable, Lord. I want it to be uncomfortable for my flesh as I go deeper in the river. Because as we go deeper in the river, those things that need to die will die. Even as a, a baby issues forth for from the womb, the placenta and the umbilical cord must be cut off. If the umbilical cord is not cut off, it could actually destroy that baby's life or cause uh, sickness. If the placenta is not pulled away after the birth, it can be a toxic situation. And isn't it interesting that something in one season that provided sustenance and life and something that provided strength uh, in the next season, if it's not removed, in the next season, if it's not cut away, can actually become a toxic situation for that child. And so, Lord, I thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, what you're saying to your church, oh God. Another principle I want to bring up very quickly that has to do with the river of God and the flow of the things of God is Psalm chapter 133 verses 1 through 3, where it talks about how precious, how beautiful, how wonderful it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil that flows, again a flow, flows down the head of Aaron, down the beard, down the body, all the way to the feet. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon that descended on Mount Zion. There the Lord commands the blessing life forevermore. And could it be that some of the healing of the land could be being held back because 
the body of Christ. We've got people arguing with this body, the body of Christ. The foot is arguing with the hand and the eye is saying to the, the mouth, uh, all these different things. Well, you're not seeing right. Well, you're not speaking right. And yes, there's absolutely a, a, a care and absolutely a, a need for the body of Christ to rally around proper doctrine and to warn against heresy and all these other things. But could it also be in all our doing that we've become somewhat of religious pharisaical people like Nicodemus who wanted to know Christ, but then he didn't really believe until later on down the line where he began to defend Christ against those very religious people that he once was a teacher of. To the very place where then when they buried the body of Christ, that he was the one that was heaping the myrrh and the aloes and the hundred pounds or whatever it was of all these expensive, this expensive worship. When he finally got it at that point and he went from becoming a religious man, a Pharisee, a teacher of Israel to a worshiper of Jesus Christ. And could it be in all our doing and all our wanting to understand and fathom all mysteries that we've left behind love? Could it be that that we that what God is saying is part of delving yourself into the river of God is to love your brother or sister? That how can we say that we worship God? How can we say that we're swimming in the river of God, but have odd against our brother and sister? God says in Psalm 133, 1 through 3, you want to see the power of God? You want to see me move? You want to see my blessing commanded? Life? You want to see life come forth? You want to see all these things you're praying for? Then start to love your brother. Start to love your neighbor. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and great command. And the second is likened unto it. To love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, it's all fulfilled in when we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we love our brother and sister. It's everything from the Old Testament, everything that was a shadow and type of allegory, the love of God. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, it was fulfilled. And we, as, as people who are living in him, and he in us, and Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God living in us, we're motivated by love. We're motivated by the love of God. It's no longer, do this because I said so. Do this. All the law could do was condemn us. All the law could do, even though it was holy, all the law could do is show us that we're sinners that needed a holy God, but that Jesus Christ came and he became the propitiation once and for all, that he settled it, that we've been justified, we're being sanctified, and one day we will be glorified. But for right now, he's saying that until he comes, we need to get this. We need to delve into his river. We need to be swimming in his river. We need to be immersed in his river. And then from that place, we will have this, this drenched nature where then when we just embrace people, they're going to be touched. Embrace people, they're going to be delivered. Embrace people and they're going to be uh, made wet, so to speak, where they've been dry. Embrace people and where they've been dead, they're going to come alive because the water of life has hit them. And so, Father, we just thank you so much for all the nations that are listening to this first podcast. Father, I just thank you right now as you're, as you're doing a mighty work, oh God. You're doing a mighty work in the nations, oh God. 
Your word says, ask of me and I shall give you the nations, the uttermost ends of the earth as your possession. And so, Father, I thank you that you are changing the course of nations. Even right now, as people come out of religion, they come out of works. They come out of all these things. I need to pray harder. I need to do this more. No, Lord, you're just asking us to yield and to surrender in the river of your spirit, oh God. And from that place, oh God, as sons and daughters of you, we don't need to strive. We don't need to try. Oh God, we just begin to minister out of your overflow, out of your river, oh God. And everyone we embrace receive life. And everywhere that river of yours goes, oh God, there is life. There is vitality. There is refreshing. There is healing and freedom and deliverance, O oh God. Even as it says in your word that not only did you put that river in the garden in Genesis, but in 1 Corinthians 3.9, you say, we are your garden, that we are your building. And wherever the garden is, there is a river that flows out. Wherever that river goes brings life. And wherever your life touches, O oh God, there is resurrection. There is life forevermore. So God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in to uh, Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God, and we will see you next time.